0: I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Startup News Podcast. Universities around the world are driving scientific advances that could provide needed new medicines, but despite the billions of dollars that fuel this research every year, academic researchers lack the capital and expertise to perform the necessary translational science to advance promising therapies out of the lab and into the clinic. Ocean Biomedical seeks to accelerate the development of promising innovations by providing needed funding and expertise. We spoke to Elizabeth Ng, CEO of Ocean Biomedical, about the company's business model, how it works with academic researchers to set up subsidiary companies around each asset, and what it looks for in the candidates it in-licenses. Liz, thanks for joining
1: us. It's great to be here, Danny. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: We're going to talk about Ocean Biomedical, its portfolio approach to building a pipeline of therapies and how this approach creates efficiencies. Before we begin, though, I I wanted to start with your decision to join Ocean as CEO, which
1: had a personal motivation for you. What happened? So... um Unfortunately, like many of you, my family has been affected by cancer. My mom developed a late uh, non-small cell lung cancer and had been fighting it for several years, but ultimately uh, she succumbed to the cancer. And uh, shortly after she passed, I ran into a classmate of mine from Stanford Business School, chair chief Katheria, and he started talking to me about the startup that he was doing in the biotech space with a novel business model. He was hoping to bring multiple assets from research into the clinic. There was one set of assets focused on oncology, one for fibrosis, and one for infectious diseases. As he started to talk to me about the oncology assets, he indicated that the first um, drug he was hoping to launch would be in lung cancer. And he started to talk about the others. And I stopped him at that point and said, you had me at lung cancer. So for me, this is a very personal project. This is one that I really hope to advance into the clinic for lung cancer and other indications, but it's a personal approach for me.
0: Ocean is not a, a typical biotech. For listeners not familiar with the company, can you explain the business model?
1: So a traditional biotech business model is usually based on a specific technology or a biological insight and usually involves one or two assets. Ours is a portfolio approach to biotech with the goal of moving multiple promising assets out of the research labs and into the clinic. So we're structured actually as a parent corporation with multiple um, corporations underneath us, each for the research areas or the assets that we have.
0: Ocean is looking primarily to academic researchers as sources of its pipeline. What's the translational challenge of moving compelling discoveries from the lab to the marketplace today? And how does OCEAN's model address that?
1: Yeah, there are, there's great research being done in our, our universities and our research labs, but there's always been this gap between this basic science that identifies novel molecules and that are involved in the consequences of the disease and then moving them into a clinical setting. And so uh, OCEAN seeks to provide the funding and the support and the communications between the researchers and the clinical scientists to move these assets across this gap from basic science into therapeutic drug development.
0: What does OCEAN look for in the programs that in licenses? What, what would constitute an ideal program for, for OCEAN?
1: Well, first of all, we look for really strong, compelling science and and any kind of data um, and test uh, results that support that strong science. But then we layer on top of that other criteria. We look at you know potential development pathways. Are they clearly laid out? Are there regulatory um, pathways that have other other assets have used? Are there manufacturing um, issues around developing this particular assets all the way through and of course we layer in the business perspective you know what is the unmet need and what is the path to get to um, a commercializable product that will be reimbursed and useful for the patients
0: how does ocean generally work with academic scientists what makes it an attractive partner
1: So as as I said, we have a parent corporation, we establish subsidiaries for each program or asset that we bring in. And the way that we're structured is different than typical deal. We give the researchers and their institutions 10% each in the subsidiary, 10% equity each in the subsidiary that their assets become a part of. This is very different than typically how um, companies do it today. Where the researchers make it a uh, small upfront, and then as clinical milestones are reached, they get an additional uh, payment, and then ultimately, someday when the drug gets launched, they get a small royalty on the sales. Ours gives them equity in the subsidiary corporation that they're a part of, and it provides for a lot of flexibility in terms of how we move their programs forward. In addition, I think where we're very different is that. We, we have two strong scientific co-founders who've been researchers. And part of the um, feedback we've gotten from them is that it's important to researchers to be able to um, have some opinion or say about how the programs go forward. And while we make the ultimate decision, we will work with the researchers to uh, help us understand their asset and to develop it the best way that we can.
0: If you look at Ocean's leadership team, one of the things that stands out is Daniel Baer, who's your executive vice president of external innovation and academic partnerships. This is not a position you'd expect to see in a company of your age and size. Who is Daniel and what kind of visibility into academic innovation does he bring to the company?
1: Well, I look at our company and I think it has three strong pillars. One is certainly the scientific expertise from our researchers that come from Brown University, including the former Dean of uh, Medicine at Brown. Secondly is the portfolio of strategic expertise and the experience expertise, which I bring. But I think core to our uh, company is also Daniel's expertise in tech transfer. Now, Daniel has uh, worked in the industry for a while. He's leading, he's gonna lead our academic partnerships and external innovation programs. But he's an experienced entrepreneur on his own and a venture investor who has launched multiple um, startups and also has held leadership roles in university tech transfers um, organizations such as at Brown and at Harvard. I think the network of contacts at tech transfer organizations that he brings, his understanding of the processes and the perspectives of that important function. Uh, within the universities is going to be a strong asset for us as we're trying to source the research out of those university labs.
0: A portfolio approach in many ways is about reducing risk and improving access to capital. Can you explain how it accomplishes this?
1: Yes. As as we all know, um, developing drugs can be a risky business and most of the you know many of the drugs do not make it to market and so if you just have one or two assets you only have uh, the probability of getting one or two of those drugs into the market with our portfolio approach we have multiple opportunities multiple shots on gold to get assets into um, into the pipeline and into the market and also in terms of improving access to capital allows us to raise capital from a broader group of investors and now that we're public, from the public markets as well.
0: One of the other benefits that comes with this model is the potential to be a bit dispassionate about decision-making on whether or not to advance molecules in the pipeline by having an executive team that's making these decisions divorced from the scientific founders who may, for a variety of reasons, be invested in seeing the molecule advance, even when the science and business case may not argue against that. How do you go about making those decisions?
1: I agree that you really do need to be dispassionate about the decision-making. However, we're passionate about the impact on the patients. And I think it's that passion that allows us to gain alignment, that the resources that we put into the project need to be scientifically, clinically, commercially uh, viable and to have uh, the possibility to move the drugs to the patients as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So it's using that passion about our goal to impact the patients to drive alignment among the various decision makers.
0: Earlier on, you alluded to Ocean's Pipeline. It's working in cancer, fibrotic disease, and malaria. I wanted to have you walk us through each of those programs and talk about what was compelling about them. Well, let's start with the work in cancer, which has a lead indication of non-small cell lung cancer. What's the program and what's the opportunity?
1: Sure. Let me just start off by pointing out that across our three platforms, there are some similarities in that they focus on novel targets with very strong IP, and they represent impressively vetted new biology that has been published in the most competitive journals. Um, I dare say that we will likely be first in class, if not best in class, for these therapeutics. Now, the cancer program focuses on a therapeutic target called chitinase 3-like-1. And for those of you who might not know, chitin is that, that compound that forms the shells of lobsters and also cockroaches. And chitinases and chitinase-like proteins target uh, chitin. So Dr. Jack Elias has studied and demonstrated that chitinase-3-like-1 is a powerful regulator of a variety of cancer-generating pathways and is a key inhibitor of tumor cell death and also a powerful inhibitor of tumor suppressor genes, including P10 and P53, as well as being a master regulator of uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors, including things like PD-1 and CTLA-4. Now, we've developed a monoclonal antibody against chitinase 3-like-1, which we will be hoping to take into the clinic targeting non-small cell lung cancer. We also have a bispecific antibody that targets chitinase 3-like 1, as well as uh, one of the immune checkpoint inhibitors to go after non-small cell lung cancer and also glioblastoma.
0: You're also working on a therapy that targets a new pathway to treat idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. What was compelling about this program, and how broadly applicable might it be?
1: Yes, so in fibrosis, it's... um, It's the result of scar tissues that that forms and replaces normal tissues. Now, the work that Dr. Jack Elias did was to identify a new target called chitinase one that is a major contributor to pulmonary and other forms of fibrosis. He screened a small molecule library and discovered an inhibitor of chitinase one, which was very potent and provided Uh, various tests and proof of concepts that highlighted the disease-modifying effects of the small molecule, and it's not only useful for pulmonary fibrosis, but may be useful for other fibrotic diseases, including, you know, various uh, fibrotic diseases of the liver and things like scleroderma.
0: You're also developing both a vaccine and treatment for malaria. Well, what's the case for this program?
1: Now, malaria is probably the greatest single-agent killer of children on the planet. So there are 2 to 3 billion individuals at risk for malaria, and 2 to 300 million people are infected every year. This gives you a sense of the size of the market and the impact that it can have. Um, Dr. Jake Curtis, our other scientific co-founder, identified novel targets for both a vaccine, uh, uh, mRNA-based vaccine, as well as a therapeutic monoclonal antibody. And there's definitely a market to address the prevention using a vaccine, but also in treatment aspects using a therapeutic monoclonal antibody.
0: As we discussed, Ocean is a portfolio model. Is there some critical mass you need in terms of the pipeline to get the full benefit of the portfolio approach?
1: Well, um, I don't know if there's a critical mass per se, but I will say that, you know, in the steady state, we would want to have a pipeline with enough programs to launch a, a new drug every year. However, I will caveat that to say that we have a lot of flexibility to bring in more capital or spin off assets as it makes sense. And so that allows for a lot of movement into our pipeline and continuing to build our pipeline. So I'm, I'm excited to see us continue to build that pipeline and to reach out to as many research institutions as possible to look at their assets.
0: Ocean is public. It merged with a SPAC and began trading earlier this year.
1: How far will existing funding take you? So um, we should have enough funding to take us through filing um, you know, three or four INDs, which will occur in the next 12 to 18 months.
0: And what's the plan for accessing additional capital as opportunities present themselves?
1: Well, as a public company, we have that option to um, do additional fundraising as needed to address the the needs for capital that we have. But in addition, as we're moving our assets into the pipeline, I think there's opportunity for other sources of capital, such as partnerships with Big Pharma, or even the potential for spinning off um, some of the assets into their own IPO. So I think having this portfolio model approach in a public, publicly traded company provides access to capital to help move this pipeline, this portfolio forward as we grow.
0: Elizabeth Heng, CEO of Ocean Biomedical. Liz, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Uh, thanks, Danny.
0: Thanks for listening. The BioStartup News podcast showcases important topics and notable leaders of life science startups. The podcast is produced by BioStartup News, the weekly aggregator report that recaps the latest developments of U.S.-based life sciences startups. BioStartup News is published by Big Bio Communications. For more information, go to biostartup.news. This podcast is produced for Biostartup News by the Levine Media Group. Music for this podcast is provided by the Joan Levine Collective.